0: Good morning. Thank you for coming. Um, You can tell already that my throat is not normal. It's way better than it was. Um, Thank you, uh, those of you who uh, offered to preach and those of you who prayed for me, because um, when I sent that email out, I was not doing very well. So this is much better. Uh, Lowell, thank you for the uh, introductory comments. I admire your ability to come up here without notes and just say things, say good things. Thank you. so i <clears throat> I preached on Mother's Day, but I did not preach a Mother's Day sermon and uh, today's father's day and and I wasn't uh, thinking about Father's Day. I was thinking about uh, Colossians three. If you then be risen with Christ, then uh, live a different kind of life. And then uh, somehow I figured out it's Father's Day this Sunday. Oh, before I go on, Rich, thank you. You were the one that called out the song, Trust and Obey. Yes, thank you. I appreciated the words. So the challenges of life, the need to trust, and follow the Lord and that's very that's very real uh, on Father's Day Mother's Day so I decided that I would try to uh, speak uh, to both fathers and mothers uh, this morning to parent uh, I want to say right in the beginning that uh, I'm not talking with you about parenting because I was such a wonderful parent. Um, and sometimes <clears throat> sometimes uh, one of my children, several, sent me a text this morning and thanked me for being a good father and so on. But uh, uh, sometimes I think that Uh, My dear children turned out as well as they did in spite of me and not because of me. And maybe that's how most of us feel. Um, So this morning, parenting, uh, I'm going to start in Colossians 4. There are two verses, especially. Uh, It says, uh, children, obey your parents. And then the next verse says, fathers, don't provoke your children to not sure the King James says anger or wrath. And then I want to look at 1 Thessalonians 2, the first part of the chapter, to talk about uh, parenting. Now I want to say right in the beginning here that uh, I think we all know this, that, that the state of things in this country and in the world generally is not good. It's not good in relation to families. So I found, when I checked this week, that in 2020, nearly 19 million children were not living with their parents. That's about 25% of all the children in the United States were living in single-parent families. And this percentage is about three times higher than it was in 1960 when the percentage was nine, so now it's 25. And some people, uh, we know this, I think most of us do, some people in the United States today say that the government or uh, schools or Um, someone else I don't know uh, should be be making decisions about what children read and even very bluntly what gender they should be somebody besides parents and there are efforts put forth in our world today uh, deceitfully sometimes uh, to um, give direction to somebody's children without the parents knowing. So in our day, twenty five percent of the children uh, live with two parents, and a major reason for this is the high rate of divorce. And the child who lives in the home of a mother and father has the best chance, despite the troubles, pardon me, the children that live in uh, a home of a mother and a father has the best chance of becoming a mature and emotionally and mentally mature adult, has the best chance. And, uh, and I'll, I'll just say that uh, a, a child that lives in the home of a, of a mature mother and father has an even better chance. So children need a mother and father. They need a mature mother and father, both a mother and father, and ideally a mature mother and father. And this is a challenging, it's a challenging task to be mature. <clears throat> it's a challenging task to be the mature adult in the room. Okay? I, I, think, it, I think it's helpful uh, when, when we as adults uh, recognize that it's not that easy to be a mature adult in the room. When we recognize that, and commit ourselves to do what we can to be a mature adult when we don't feel mature or when life is challenging. So this is a challenge. So Colossians 3, I'm beginning there, verses 20 and 21. Uh, this is the New King James. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Uh, the New American Standard reads, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not antagonize your children, so that they will not become discouraged. And uh, one more, the Amplified. Children, obey your parents as God's representatives in all things, for this attitude of respect and obedience is well-pleasing to the Lord and will bring you God's promised blessing. Fathers, do not provoke or or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness, so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. I mean, that is a mouthful. Uh, So let's start here. So the command, children obey. This, This is going to be somewhat of an instructional sermon. I hope it's encouraging. Children obey. So uh, child-parent relationships are no simple matter. They're not. Uh, On the surface of it, children obey seems simple enough. Okay, what that means is when a parent tells a child what to do, they just do it. That's That's what obedience is, just do it. But the truth is that generally speaking, children grow up to obey and respect and respect their parents to the extent that their parents figure out how to do well with the children's increasing ability to think for themselves and express themselves. And this, this is a, a give and take and a learning curve. It's challenging. And and anybody who says it's not, hasn't had children or they haven't gotten very old, they're not two yet probably. Um, And I've told this, I've said this before, I think, to you people, that I I remember a time uh, when our children were very young. I think both Mary Sue and me had this idea that we have got this figured out because they were really behaving well. Got that really well. Like right along, just all going right. And that lasted for a little while just a little while, until until it didn't. I'm not gonna go into it. So children move from the concrete to the abstract. They begin to reason about abstract ideas. They think about things, they have thoughts about it, ideas about it, they ask questions. They begin to examine the value system of their culture, especially teenagers and the value system of their parents. They start examining, evaluating, Uh, and the church. They start wondering what's going on at church. They see things, hear things, wonder about things, I mean. And children look at things, generally I think in an idealistic sort of way, and uh, their idealism is not tempered by experience. And maybe the problem is parents have too much experience and we don't know how to be, uh, can't maintain the ideals because they've been ruined by reality, you know. And the children see things the way they think they should be and not the way they are. And uh, they tend to be more perfectionist and less maybe tolerant of, inconsistencies whatever I mean I'm not telling you parents anything you don't know okay you know all this children ask questions Uh, I mean this this is really like why this why that why the next thing Uh, why do you believe that why can't I do this what is wrong with this why are why are you doing what you're doing Uh, they're good at sniffing out inconsistencies in their parents' explanations, I'm telling you, I mean, if there's anything a little bit out of order about the explanation, I mean, they are like lawyers and they got it. Uh, yes, I've heard all this, and you have too. And, and if you get uh, disrupted about it, if you get angry about it, then that, that's, that's another fault against you. Uh, so how in the world how in the world is this supposed to work? So I'm just going to say this. Keep this brief. Uh, This is to the children. Your, Your parents do need to help you learn to express your thoughts and feelings. They do need to do that. And you do need to learn how to make decisions as you get older. That is true. No parent wants their child to get 20 years old and still be a baby. But somewhere in all of this, you are still called to obey and honor and respect your parents. That is the fact. Children who obey their parents are not children who decide their parents are stupid and that they. Don't know anything, which is what a lot of teenagers decide. I know better than my parents. They don't know anything. Okay? I understand that. (laughs) I had moments when I thought I knew more than my parents. And I got older. Father's Day is a good day to tell your parents that you are going to. This is really blunt. Father's Day is a good day to tell your parents that you are going to stop disrespecting and dishonoring and disobeying them. I will try to stop. Today would be a good day to do that. It would probably bless uh, all the fathers here if, uh, if their children would tell them, not necessarily that they're going to stop, but that I will try. I will try to honor and respect and obey you. Help me do that. So that's one side. Then the other side is fathers do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children. Okay. Now, there are a number of things in the Bible, a lot of things, that I wonder about, try to make sense of, don't know what to do with. And, and one of them is, there's not, there's not much said uh, in the epistles about how mothers should do. I mean, maybe it's more than I think. I didn't notice. So, it's fathers, uh, don't, don't play favorites. Don't, don't humiliate. Don't be abusive. Uh, be tender. Be loving-kind. Practice loving-kindness. Don't break their spheres. There's all these things. So, what this says is, is that children need love. They need to feel the love of their parent, of their father, right? Mother, too. Uh, they need love and compassion and respect and understanding. Uh, so, here's one thing I want to say. Uh, Children need parents who love their children more than they love themselves. And I mean by that that whatever I as a parent, whatever a parent does in relation to a child needs to be based on what is best for this child. What does this child need? And not based on what is convenient for the parent. What is easiest for the parent makes my life easier in this moment. Because I think there's a rule to this, that anything that you do not take care of today, you will have to take care of tomorrow. Okay? That's how this works. I didn't know that when I was young. So children... Uh, Parents and pastors and teachers uh, must be mature enough to do what is right for the child and not what is convenient for the parent. So children need attention. They need time with the father and mother. And this is the gift God gives to children. This is the gift a parent can be. Some children are starved. They are literally starved for the personal attention and involvement of their parents. Uh, Children need instruction in what is right. They need warnings. They need need to understand reality. What is true about this situation? What's true about, what if I do that? If you do that, this might be the result. This probably will be the result. And uh, children don't know these things, and they have to be told, taught, kindly, respectfully, but they need help to learn. They need boundaries. They need understanding. And, uh, <clears throat> and they don't need to be hollered at, generally. <laughs> I'm sure there's times to holler. Um, I tended to holler when I was scared. Someone about to kill themselves. And children need an example. They need to see their parents live. We all know these things. They need to see their parents live what they say they believe. And this is a basic rule of integrity. So here's the reality is that the, the Christian, I'll say tradition, the Christian tradition and all that really matters in Christianity it's first of all taught in the home. That, that is the truth. Primarily in the home. The Christian graces and the character of Christ uh, cannot be transmitted to the next generation if they are not demonstrated in the home. And I think we all know this. And so, yes, we all fail. We did. We all have. I mean, it's helpful just to admit it. I think then you can start from where you are. Uh, so we fail, but this, this is the challenge. And <clears throat> children without parents do not grow they do not grow up well generally. Children who do not have a mother and father who love them and care about them. And so that's why I'm saying parents are God's gift to children. Children need parents. They need loving parents. They need wise parents. They need mature parents who are committed to doing for the child what is best for the child. And, of course, this takes wisdom. It takes wisdom to understand what is best, how to father the best, how to mother the best. Now, I want to go to 1 Thessalonians 2, the first part of the chapter. And I'm going to read, uh, this this is Paul talking about his relationship with these people. And it talks about how he is strange, how he fathered them and mothered them. Okay? Uh, this is the New King James. For you yourselves know, first Thessalonians two one, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold. We were bold in our God, bold in our God, to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing to men, but God who tests our hearts. So I'm going to stop. So Paul is saying that I was in great trouble and distress. And maybe, maybe like we are sometimes, I was just so totally overwhelmed with all the trouble in my life. That, that, that's the place where most of us, I can, get where we don't know what to do. And we feel like giving up I mean, this is really bad. It just comes to me. I remember one time, I don't think Mary Sue even knows this happened. I remember one time in a very low moment thinking what a terrible parent I was and that the best thing for this family would be for me to just leave. Everything would go better if I just leave. I'm sorry. Y'all think I'm crazy, don't you? You didn't know that, did you? No, she didn't know that. Okay, but here's what Paul says about this state of affairs. Uh, But he knew in his heart that he was approved by God. And he'd been entrusted with the gospel and with responsibility. And this wasn't about pleasing people. This is about pleasing God. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, neither either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. Okay, now how about applying that to being a parent? How does that work? Uh, So just let me say that I do know that after 20 nights, 20 sleepless nights, and feeling like you're losing your mind, and all these meals to prepare and all this work to do, and earn a living, and all this stuff that fathers and mothers have bearing down on them. I understand why a parent can get to the place where you're like, I want out. I need to take a walk. Huh? You're very mature. Maybe you've never been there. Okay? I know parents who feel that way. So Paul is saying, in the midst of all this, in my heart, you are dear to me. I've given my own life to you. And I care deeply about you. You remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you may walk worthy of God. He calls you into his kingdom and glory. I have the new America, I mean, uh, I have the Amplified here too, but I won't read that now. So here, here's some things. Uh, a father's boldness and security in God. It really helps when we as fathers and mothers understand who we are in terms of God and God's call, and not just simply in terms of how we feel, which is not very good sometimes. Boldness in our God in the midst of conflict and challenge, troubles. Willingness to suffer for those in our care. Willingness to suffer for what is right. And sometimes it's hard to know what's right. But I think a lot of times we know what's right. And Paul functioned out of an approved of God attitude, position, sense of himself as a person, approved by God. And therefore, he lived out of a desire to please God, first of all, which delivered him from using Flattering, insincere speech, I'm interpreting, as a cover for greed, uh, which is this idea of using people who belong to him for ulterior motives or selfish gain. That's the idea. He said, I refuse to do that. I refuse to use people for personal gain or self-glory. So another principle here, a father's strong affection for his children, the ability to make the people in our care able to belong to us. And I think this, this is a major challenge for parenting, pastoring, teaching, whatever, responsibility. It's a tremendous challenge to somehow provide a place, platform, or space where the people in our care can belong to us because they're dear to us, because we care about them, and we give them the opportunity to belong to us. It's what children desperately need. And, you know, without that, <clears throat> what people tell me is when they don't have that, they feel like they are, their term is, floating in space. They're out here just floating and have they feel like they have no stability, nowhere to stand, and no security. And so this this is what Paul is talking about. They are dear to me, no matter what their difficulties or the challenges. And so belonging is rooted in the one to whom you belong. Belonging is made possible by the person to whom you belong. A child, a child cannot belong to a parent or pastor or teacher or whoever. Child care worker. <laughs> a child cannot belong to these people unless the person welcomes the child and makes belonging possible. That, that is just how it is. Belonging is not rooted in performance, but in the space or place in the heart of the person who is more mature, further along, and understands the difficulty the child is in. And all our children have difficulties. We had difficulties when we were little. I went to first grade, and my memory of first grade is I cried every day. Literally, I'm not making that up. I cried every day in the first grade. And when I wasn't doing well like that, the teacher would send me to my sister's room. And she had a double desk. And I'd sit in the desk with her. And she'd put her arm around me. And then I was okay. That is a fact. That is what happened. I should say one more thing, <clears throat> and one day the first grade teacher got so frustrated with me that she came back there, I, she had me in the back of the room, standing in the back of the room, I was on the left side of the room, the last person in the row on the left side, the furthest from the door, Yes, I remember where I was. And she came back there and she slapped me in the face. Just like that. She didn't say anything. She just slapped me. And you know what I did? I cried. And she slapped me in the face because my chair, the four legs of my chair were not even and it rocked and the child in front of me had his toe under my chair, leg. and I was sitting on his toe, and he was crying. And I didn't know why I was crying. I'm, I'm sitting there, I can still see this. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, why is he crying? I don't know why is he crying. And so she assumed that I had intentionally set my chair on his foot, but I didn't know it was on his toe. Okay, pardon me for the story. It literally happened. <clears throat> I was very frustrating to her. A problem child. Uh, belonging is a gift offered by the parent. It can't be earned. So the characteristics of those who offer belonging, as I'll do this quickly, Care. The person who offers belonging cares for um, self and others at the same time has the ability to do that. Um, Remains stable in difficult situations knows how to return uh, to a stable place themselves when things are difficult is able to bond with those in his care, takes responsibility for how personal actions affect others, doesn't deny when they've hurt somebody, protects, serves, and enjoys those in his care. I know this is hard. You be up 20 nights in a row. Is devoted to taking care of those in his care without expecting them to take care of him or her. And so belonging activities involve smiles, warm smiles, touches, hugs, expressions of delight to be with the person, uh, words and actions of delight, expressions of love and belonging. I'm glad you belong to me. I've said that to people. I want you to know that you have a place in my heart.
1: No matter what
0: you do, you will always belong to me. You are my child, and I'm glad you are, no matter what taking time to do things with the person. So, belonging. The second thing I want to mention is nurture. Where Paul says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. That is nurture. Uh, Gentle, uh, bearing with the thoughts of others, uh, nourishing them, providing tender care for them, keeping them warm. Uh, cherishing, cherishing them with tender love, uh, we know all of this. So how does a father nurture nourish his children? Well, of course, most fathers work hard to earn a living to provide. Uh, but to nourish a child emotionally, uh, he demonstrates the emotional maturity that he wants his child to develop children learn what they see they learn what they see Uh, when a child is emotionally distraught uh, the parent responsibility of a parent is to be with the child uh, not to dismiss what they feel but to say I'm here and this will be okay it's going to be okay just here, let me hold you. It's not like it fixes everything, but you're not alone. Uh, instead of telling them to toughen up and grow up, or shaming them for having their feelings, so this this is uh, how you nurture. And uh, to lead out in spiritual activities and talk with children about the things that concern them. Children have questions, things they want to talk about. And yes, people call me adults. Adults. Sometimes I like to call somebody too. We all need input. So they need to talk. So uh, this nurture uh, is to uh, provide emotional stability and presence. And then the last one I want to mention is uh, where it talks about if we exhorted you, each of you, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Okay, so children also need some instruction. And this is what Paul says he offered to them. Uh, and the idea here is to call someone to your side. exhort, Call someone to your side. Uh, that This is a friendship. A you belong to me move and then to speak to them about what you would like for them to know. And it it involves not only instruction, but comfort and encouragement. And and then he says he charged them, uh, gave them some kind of firm words. Um, So more than ever in our day... fathering requires the capacity to offer belonging to our children, children and to give ourselves and our hearts to them and to receive them where they are. Children and teenagers do not have the capacity to know and choose right on their own. They don't. I'm not being critical, but they don't. They do not have the wisdom and ability to discern what is best and to restrain themselves. Generally, they don't. They might want to, and they might try, and they will do it sometimes, but they need their parents. And this is God's gift to children, is mature, a mature parent. Um, They need fathers who love them deeply, mothers who love them deeply, who have the wisdom to see what is going on in the, I'm going to use the term, the long view. To get me on today, and see this in relation to. I remember, I, I remember. I think it was John D. Martin who made this statement one time. I heard him. Wisdom is uh, making a decision today that that a thousand years from now you'll be glad you made it. That's called the long view. And that's what we need, and that's what children need uh, from their parents—not and, and in a mean-spirited way, but they need—they need that in their life. I'm getting to the end. <clears throat> the first thing—the first thing I did this week, when I realized that this is Father's Day, and I really should preach about parenting. Uh, I decided I'm gonna go to Genesis and I'm gonna go through the Bible. I know this is probably just ridiculous, but I decided I'm gonna go in Genesis and I'm gonna go through the Bible and I'm going to see I'm going to see how the parents parented. And I'm gonna see what qualities good parents had and what qualities bad parents had. Okay? I thought I had a noble task. I got ruined in five seconds. As I got back there to Genesis and I got to the third, fourth chapter, whatever, and and the first two children born, the one killed the other. And then I was like, What in the world was I never even thought about this before? What was going on with Adam and Eve and their parenting that the first two children born in the world the one killed the other I mean I'm sorry I'm sorry to be so negative this morning okay I'm going to sit down soon and then you can say whatever you want to about that and and I was okay and then I went on and it didn't get any better I'm sorry it just didn't get Better. I got um, I got uh, about halfway through the Old Testament. I got up to David, and then I quit. I'm sorry. I just quit. I didn't have time. That was my excuse. I said I don't have time. I got I got to work on something here for Sunday. Not don't have time. Okay, what does that say? What does that say? Please, help me. All right, you don't have to be a terrible parent. You don't. I don't think what all that proves is that we just have to be a disaster. I don't think so. But the Bible record on parenting is not good. Then I thought of Joseph and Mary. Yeah, okay, this is getting better. And there's, uh, there's Timothy. There's Timothy and his mother and grandmother. It mentions them, but not a father. Yeah, it mentions his father. I forget now what it says. Sorry about that. Uh, so this morning I want to say that you are not you are not the average of all the bad parents in the Bible or in the world today you are not the average of them you are an individual before God today you are the father and mother of your children today and they belong to you they are yours given to you by God and you are God's gift to them and your children need you and we seek to understand the gift God created you to be uh, for your children that's what we need to do that's what we need to do that's what I need to do is seek to understand how to be a gift that's what God intends you to be uh, what do you have that they need Uh, Be that and do that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. and, And I pray, Lord, that you would give each of us understanding and encouragement and commitment to you to be who you created us to be with our families, with our children, as parents. And bless each child here and each parent. And work by your spirit to accomplish your purposes. And thank you. Amen.